Good morning, Cuse Nation, and welcome to the Upstate Orange Podcast on FingerLakes1.tv and YouTube. I'm Jim Sinecropi, back live inside the FingerLakes1.com studios in downtown Seneca Falls, New York, on Sunday morning, February 21st, 2016. And this morning we'll be talking about Syracuse's two-game losing streak after losses to Louisville and Pitt. We'll reevaluate our NCAA resume, and as usual, some great orange basketball trivia. The Upstate Orange Podcast is brought to you by Generations Bank with locations in Auburn, Farmington, Geneva, Phelps, Seneca Falls, Union Springs, and Waterloo. Be sure to check out their mobile banking app or visit them online at mygenbank.com. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome into the program the professor, Brad Connor. How you doing this morning, Brad? Jim, happy uh, Sunday morning to you. Happy belated birthday to you. Yes, a little fun fact for you. Yesterday was my 44th birthday, so it should be a great year for Syracuse uh, sports this year, right? My 44th. If Syracuse were to ever win a title, it should be in your 44th year, you would think. Yeah, so uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Right now it doesn't look as good as it was looking last week at this time, that's for sure. Um, And I guess that's at the heart of our first of our Big Five topics this morning. And that is what the heck uh, is the story with going to Louisville and playing Pitt anywhere? I mean, Dixon and Patino just, uh, you know, especially Dixon, you know, if you look at their record, I think it's like nine of the last 11 Dixon's won. Does that sound accurate? That's off the top of my head. I I don't remember that stat, but that would not shock me in in the least. Yeah, so what the heck is the story with... You know, losing at at Louisville and at Pitt, it was almost like going back, uh, you know, a month or so, a month and a half to when Syracuse couldn't close out games and just folded in the second half. Those were terrible, terrible games, especially the second half. Yeah, it's funny you you brought that up because that's exactly what I thought, where it it was reminiscent of of those games early in the Big East, or Big East, in the early in the ACC season. And some of the games where Mike Hopkins was in charge, where you know they just seemed like they ran out of steam. Um, but it was a little bit different to me, especially yesterday, just because. I, and you may have seen it differently than I did, but it never really felt like Syracuse was the better team, and that was shocking yeah. to me. And that was partly the poor play of, of a couple of the guys that we'll talk about. And to me, it's just, it, and it's a, that's indicative of any time they play Pitt. Pitches, pitches just wears you down, and they just play a physical style that this team is absolutely not accustomed to. This team does not match that match that style at all, and I think just it's just a bad matchup for Syracuse. I mean, this is a, like it or not, with the exception of Dewan Coleman, this is a finesse team, period. Yeah. You know, it, it, and it, it, it stinks to have to say that, they're, but they're a soft team. You know, that's what you get when you're, you know, you commit yourself to jacking up threes, and, you know, Coleman's out of the game, you got Lydon in the, you know, down low and playing the five. I mean, he's he's not going to be a physical presence. And I mean, they just bring men at you. And artists and Young and you know Robinson at, at, at guard. And and I mean, these guys just go hard and they come after you from the start to finish. And it's just that's a tough matchup for these guys. Yeah, and I think it's um, I think Pitt does the best if, of strategy wise of playing against Syracuse's offense the way they switch and help off of ball screens at the top. I mean, you could see Malachi Richardson especially seemed frustrated to me trying to, um, you know, get his shot off, usually get a shot off. Um, he was ended up taking a lot of bad shots, a lot of off-balance shots, uh, because every time he came off a ball screen, there was another Panther kind of waiting for him there. Um, and 
you know, I wish. Yeah, I mean, Dave, Jimmy Dixon's a—he's a good coach, and I don't think he's gotten his due because they tend to crumble in the postseason. But uh, as a regular season coach and as a game strategist, I mean, he's—he's he's one of the best out there. And I think he—you see what happens when he goes up against against Beheim. He, he matches them. You know, he, whatever Beheim tries to throw at him, he just sort of makes the adjustment. And, and you've got physical, hard-nosed guys, and that's—that's that's been their calling card. And you know. It, in a lot of years, that's Duke's calling card, and that's what makes them successful. And you could go down the line. There's a lot of teams that, you know, Michigan State's another one. They just come at you and just go hard, and it just wears on you. And it's a tough matchup for, for these guys when, you know, Syracuse is designed to play. They're, they're, they recruit to a zone. They recruit long, lanky, lean guys. Those guys will not match up against a strong, beefy front line, which Pitt always brings. Yeah, and Louisville brought with a old Lorenzo Nwaku's brother there who oh. wish we kind of wish he was at Syracuse. You think that guy could help this year's team? But, you know, I'll tell you, why doesn't Pitt's, you know, we see Pitt constantly beat us year after year and then constantly bow out of the NCAA tournament, you know, before the Final Four, usually well before that, too. Why doesn't that recipe for success against Syracuse work against the rest of the country in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, that's a good question. That, you know, I think what you see in the tournament, what you tend to see in the tournament, is the, the stars shine. They, you know, the, the the top teams tend to have one or two or three NBA guys, you know, just just, just superstar guys. Yeah. Pitt never has that guy. They are a great team. They play great college basketball style defense, and they're you know a smart, heady group. But they're never going to wow you with their athleticism. They're never going to have a superstar go off for twenty five or thirty. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you think about the great Pitt players. You think about Brandon Knight. Um. Jeez, who are some of the other ones going way back? Go Charles way back Smith to, and Jerome you know, Lane. Paul Smith and Jerome Lane and those guys, but in the uh, Jamie Dixon era, yeah, I mean, it, um, Frank. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had a good score. Frank. Uh, yeah, you know, well, it just goes to show you, like you said. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the thing. Like we, they're 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 kind of forgettable because they don't they don't end up playing a lot of you know NBA guys, and and so it's sort of a long line of you know. Six eight two thirty guys that just sort of bounce you around and play great defense and finish plays. Do you ever see a team that converts more and ones than Pitt? Yeah, that's maybe yeah, at least against us. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, just it just goes to the strength. I mean, you know, defense Syracuse especially, but others too. You know, Lafalia and they just they just go strong. Where you know, you see a guy like Dewan Coleman, as strong and big as he is. <laughs> He gets fouled when he goes up, and the ball goes flying. <laughs> How often yeah. does he finish that? Yeah. Yeah, well, um, speaking of our big men, I don't know if you caught the post-game press conference yesterday, but Payheim just ripped Roberson in, in a really – it was shocking. You know, I've seen a lot of shocking things in Bayheim's press conference, but I was kind of shocked at, at the stuff he said about Roberson. Um yeah, he doesn't often call guys out directly in, in the yeah. game. That was that was surprising. Roberson took one shot in the whole game against Pitt. You know, Syracuse was desperate for offense. He grabbed four rebounds in the in a game where Syracuse was out rebounded by twenty rebounds. And so Mayheim said, if I had anyone else, he wouldn't play a minute. You watch the game, I'm not gonna describe what he did out there. Um you know, and then Roberson said, "Well, that's what he thinks. I mean, that's his opinion. I don't know. You know, a little he was beaten down in the post game locker room, but Beheim said, if I had anyone else, he wouldn't play a minute, which is crap because he's got Chinoso Boko. I mean, obviously, you know, yeah, Chinoso Boko could give you four rebounds." 
rebounds and you know yeah. one missed shot. I would like to think. So, is it is, is it like a motivational tool that Bayham's doing, or is he just really frustrated with Roberson? I mean, I'm frustrated with Roberson. Some in some games, he is my favorite player that's ever played at Syracuse, like the Duke game. That game, Roberson was like, you know, I couldn't have been more happy. And then the pit game is, is just the opposite. And I don't know if it's a lack of focus or or what it is. I, You know, I really believe that Tyler Roberson tries his hardest every time he steps on the court. I don't think that, you know, he, he backs off it in certain games. I just, I don't know. There may be a bad matchup for him, too, against Pitt, but... Um, man, Bayheim really, when he said that, I really raised an eyebrow. I was like, whoa, I hope they, hopefully Roberson doesn't like transfer tomorrow, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, but, but Bayheim's comment, I mean, he, he, he made a comment in that same, you know, as he was going off on him, you know, he's, he's a junior and yeah. he said, you can't, you can't, you can't even get a single point. You can't have a junior be in the program and play all the time. And when you get to your junior, you can't score. You just can't win that way. And that's, I mean, that's legitimate. I mean, as a freshman or sophomore, you expect to go through lulls. But as a junior and been in the program for three years and started for two years and played big, you know, considerable minutes as a freshman, you've got to have more consistency from a guy like that. And that's been our, I mean, we, every, every year we talk about him. Hey, maybe this is the year he's going to make the leap. And maybe this is uh, the, you know, you see one game, like a Duke game. Okay, he's, you know, he's ready to make that leap. He's ready to be a great player. He's gone through these lulls consistently his entire career. If there's anything consistent about him, it's his inconsistency, and it's just from from game to game. I mean, you look at his you look at his game by game stats. He had 20 rebounds against Duke, and then he has seven rebounds, nine rebounds, eight rebounds, 15 against Virginia Tech, but then it's three and it's six and it's four and it's four. And, it's, and I don't know. I mean, I think you know, Duke's front line is not great, <laughs> so yeah. that may have been a good matchup for him. Virginia Tech is Virginia Tech, so that's a good matchup for him. But I mean, he if he's He's getting boxed out by Pitt. Trust me, he's not going after the offensive glass quite as hard. He's not able to. That's a, you talk about matchups. That's that's probably the toughest matchup he'll see all season. Yeah, and Bayham did mention that. He said, "Well, he goes because a reporter asked him why does he struggle? Why do they struggle to get rebounds? Some games, in other games, they you know have a rebounding edge, and why? And same thing with Roberson. And Bayham said, "Well, look at the teams that you're talking about. They're not good rebounding teams." You know, Pitt, great rebounding team. Louisville, good rebounding team. Um, they're, Syracuse is just not a, a great rebounding team, and they appear to be good at rebounding when they play other teams that aren't good at rebounding as well. So same thing with Tyler Lydon. I mean, that guy tries as hard as he can to get rebounds. I mean, he's really active in there, and um, but he just doesn't have the body to go up against uh, some of these better, um, bigger front line so yeah Tyler Lydon had one rebound yesterday great yeah. game 21 points you know was nailing threes and was he was practically half half of the scoring for for the good portion of the game and uh but you know did, didn't score as much down the stretch and you know one rebound from a guy who played 31 minutes down low I mean that's 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 pretty difficult to accept too yeah yeah it really was a it was a tough game to watch because the whole first half I was thinking we got this game you know and then the second half just almost immediately you could tell they just weren't going to win it. And Pitt has a knack of hitting big shots against us. Uh, you know, what, I just only think we're going to get back into it or, or get over the hump. You know, somebody hits a three from the top of the key. And granted, we're not getting out on those shooters. I mean, yep. I, I wasn't really pleased with our defense yesterday, especially against the perimeter shooters. But, um, yeah, it was a tough one. But, you know, one thing over the past couple of weeks that really has me 
excited about the future is watching Frank Howard play. He just has that point guard flair and mentality and knack. And I wish he played more earlier in the year because I think he'd be more prepared to help us now. He's Now he's just learning what it's like to play 10, 12 minutes in a game. Um, but he's our point guard next year, I think, you know, and the year after. I think, you know, I know we got Tyus Battle coming in, but he, probably, he hopefully will, will fill in more of Benny J's role. Um, and play off the ball because I, I like Frank Howard is our point guard for the next three years of this program. I don't know if you feel the same way or not. No, I definitely do. I, I like what Frank Howard brings. I think his, he he sees the game and plays the game like a point guard does. And so, you know, I, I love Michael Benajay as much as anybody and what he what he can do, all the, the facets of his game, but he's not a point guard. You know, he mm-hmm. He's a capable point guard, but he's not an elite point guard and probably never will be. Frank, Frank Howard has that potential. Um, you know, I, he's a freshman, so it's hard to hard to project him out two or three years from now of how, how good he can be. The one thing that I worry about with him, man, he cannot shoot the basketball right now. Yeah, he's shooting <laughs> he's shooting seven percent behind the arc. <laughs> that's not a that's not a shooting threat whatsoever. I mean, we joked about Ron Patterson last year. Frank Howard is every bit as bad as Ron Patterson shooting threes, and even even from two. I mean, he's shooting twenty six, twenty seven percent. From the field. Yeah, Bayham doesn't want him to shoot at all. He doesn't want him. He would be happy if if he had zero shots, unless it happened to be like a transition layup. Yeah, he, and he made a mistake yesterday. He came down. He was trying to set up the offense and just pulled up for like a fifteen footer, and mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't even close. And that that was the time when Syracuse started to get away from him a little bit. And if and, and, and the announcer sort of made a comment about it, of, hey, that's probably not the look you want. And <laughs> as far as Pitt's concerned, that's the look they absolutely want. They were letting Frank Howard shoot the ball. <laughs> That was a good good play by them. And so they, they got it and came back and you know, scored and extended the lead. And that's uh, that's he's, to to be an elite player. He's got to be able to create some weapons yeah. for himself from the outside, so they can respect his ability to get to the basket. Because otherwise, you just sag on him and force him to shoot eighteen footers that he can't make. You know, I have time, um, hopefully, to develop a better shot. I, you know. Yeah, that's what he said about Ron Patterson too. So yeah, that's true. Crossed on this one. That's true. Um, yeah, well, you know, I look at, like, Lazara Sims led us to national championship game in 96, which we're going to talk extensively about coming up here. Was never a great shooter, but if you left him open, he could he could can it, you know. From yeah, a- and, and it, his his advantage was he was able to, to learn from some good players and didn't really see huge minutes until later in his career. Sure. Where Frank, you know, Frank Howard's getting thrown into big spots doing okay I, I think he'll he'll have that same advantage where he's 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 getting into it getting his getting his wheels about him but like you said next year I think he's the guy and hopefully that's something he's ready for because there's there, there are no other capable options at the point at this point I mean you know like you said Tyus Battle could could be that guy but again I don't think you want to throw a freshman into it as, as quickly as we did with Caleb Joseph and you know look what happened to him yeah, we got lucky with uh, Carter Williams. So, um, well, and Tyler Ennis. That, that that we were into the mode. I was into the mode at least too. That's why when Caleb Joseph came in, I'm like, we're not going to miss a beat. This kid's going to be great. But um, the guys hey, like you, all, you, you fall into that trap of hey, the, you know, the one and done era, and freshmen are the best players out there. And you know, you see what Kentucky does, and some of the others, and we've had some of those guys too here. And yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the exception rather than the norm. So I'm excited because I think Howard can develop into that solid point guard. For, so for the next, he's not going to go pro, right? Hopefully, in, in, <laughs> in the next year, three no. years. 
Um, so we could have a solid point guard for the for the next three years. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, which that's is encouraging. That's exciting. So, but this year, let's take a look at the old NCAA resume. Last week we sat here and it was like, you know, all flowers and sunshine, wondering if we were going to be a four or five seed, and um, you know how quickly things can change with two losses, right back on the bubble again. And when I look at, um, you know, I remember last we're, we're eighteen and ten right now. And I remember two weeks ago, we said they needed to win seven of their last ten. Well, they ran off five straight wins, so now it looked like, oh, we're easily going to win seven of those ten because we're 5-0 and oh at this point. Um, then last week, so we said they needed just two of the next five. So that seemed pretty easy, too. But now, after losing these two, we need two of the next three. One of them is against North Carolina. At North Carolina... NC State at home, it's a program that over the years has given us more trouble than they probably should have, going back to the Julius Hodge days when they came to the Dome and beat us. Um, and then at FSU, which we handled FSU pretty good in the Dome, but we got to go on the road in a game that's going to probably mean a lot for them too. So two of these next three now we need to get to that magic mark of 20 wins before we head into the ACC tournament. Because I don't want to head to the ACC tournament at 19 wins with a potential of an opening round loss. We get to 20 wins, we're in the tournament, right? Yeah, I think so. Especially when you get, you know, I think the, the, I've heard a lot of comments about this, that the magic number coming out of the ACC is probably 10 wins. So if you can get to 20 wins regular season, that means you've, or in overall, you've got 10 wins in the ACC, which right. I think, I think is enough. You know, Louisville being out of the tournament definitely, definitely helps because that takes one spot away from a team that would have deserved it before Syracuse. But I think a 20 win regular season, a 20 win overall, 10 win ACC, it'd be hard to turn a team down like that, I, especially in a, in a season this year, like this year, where there's so much parity. And the ACC was was a little bit down last few years I think it's back to where you know there's a national perception that it's 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 an elite league this year yeah yeah like I uh, you know that St. John's St. John's won again at least so yeah that just hangs <laughs> over over their heads like an albatross if it wasn't for that I don't think this team would have any issues now you know granted it was without coach Beheim and they said they'll discount those a little bit but still <laughs> St. John's they, they, they've now since won a game since that day so congrats to Chris Mullen and St. John's, but man, that still just hangs heavy over this team. Yeah, it may at this point. It's going to be one of those selection Sundays where you know I'm just. It seems to me that every time Syracuse is legitimately on the bubble, that we don't get the nod. That over the years, um, Jerry McNamara's uh, junior year or, or wait, which what year? Or Johnny Flynn's? The Johnny Flynn era. There was a couple yeah, of years where I thought it was we Johnny Flynn's sophomore season. Yeah, I'm thinking when they when they legitimately should have made it. And yeah. then didn't. So I don't want to be there. You know, I want to be into that. And I and I thought we were in. I was just waiting to see who we played. And when they didn't call our name that year, I was just dumbfounded. And so I don't want to give us any chance. Um, you know, to to not be in there because I'll tell you what. We missed it last year. You missed it two years in a row. Your name's not in those brackets two years in a row. That is really a sign that your program, even though one year was probation, that really is a bad sign for your program nowadays. I mean, my God, 60, um, how many teams are in now? 68, 69, 68 teams. 68 teams. Every one of those best 68. No, I mean, to be fair, there's 34. 
what, 34 at large. So It's not the best 68, but uh, nonetheless, that's a big field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's no excuse for a team that perceives themselves as an elite program to miss it two years in a row. And let's, be, let's be honest, they would not have made it last year had they not been on probation. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So. so selfishly, though, I, I I sort of hope they're the last four in, so I can drive up to Dayton and watch them in the in the play in days. But that, <laughs> I don't I don't want to sweat it that much. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, back to brighter days. 1996, the team was honored against Pitt in the dome, and um, you know, 20 years ago, that great team led by John Wallace and really. There's been so many times when Syracuse has been expected to get there, and they haven't. This team was not expected to play in the national championship game, and so it was that much more kind of fun. And some of the amazing wins along the way, uh, you know, to get them there. And just that run solidifying John Wallace as one of the elite orange greats, maybe the I mean, we've had in past podcast discussions about how John Wallace may be the greatest Syracuse player ever, the most important player ever, right up there with Pearl Washington and Dave Ming. And um, and we even had old JW on the show a couple years yep. ago, which was one of the great thrills I've had in, in hosting this podcast, was talking to John Wallace for, for an hour. Um, maybe we should try to get him back because that, that was enjoyable, but I don't. I want to segue from this last of our Big Five topics right into trivia, Brad. Unless you have a quick comment before we start the trivia on um, you mem- remembering that '96 team. Well, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of reminiscences, I mean it, it, that that team, like you say, Jim, it, with the with the '87 Final Four team, they were one of the great teams in the country that year, and and they they were certainly one of the most talented teams, if not the most talented team in the country that year. Uh, and, and that we remember that team fondly, but it, it, it was also a team with great talent and had a great, you know, great postseason run. But you sort of, you sort of expected it. Um, the the 2003 team, they had the best player in the country, Carm- Carmelo Anthony. And yeah. so, while it was, you know, it was it was a pleasant surprise that they were able to do what they were able to do. I don't think any of us were were blown away when they had the best player in the country on their team. Uh, the 2013 team, that was a nice surprise because they, you know. Th- struggled a little bit during the regular season, but you saw an emergence of, of Carter Williams during the course of that season, and you saw some you know some real talented guys come together at the right time, and the defense was as good as this team has ever played it that season. Yeah. So I don't know as if that came across as, as too much of a, wow, I can't believe we're here kind of thing. 96 always felt that way. Like, yeah. wow, I can't believe this team is doing what they're doing. Now, to be fair, John Wallace is, you know, he's one of the best players in the history of the program, but that wasn't a great team throughout the season. They went on some nice runs uh, mid-season. They went on a nice run, and toward the uh, obviously at the end they did. But I, you know, I think generally speaking, we're still you know in awe of what they were able to do and how they're able to come together for a team that wasn't really expected to do much. They lost a lot of talent from the year prior, mm-hmm. and uh, and the fact that they were able to come together at the right time, which this team, this program doesn't often often do. That's why we remember it so fondly. It just gave us one of the most most pleasant postseasons that we could that we can remember. That's that, that that to me is why why we finally remember this team. I think. Yeah, and it was kind of coming off the Moten era where he, they lost to Arkansas. I think it might have been in Arkansas eight. when Moten called the timeout and the regulation oh, yeah. that they didn't have and lost in the overtime. And it was against just the defending champions. Like that was a, that was a game they should have had. But you know, Moten was the leading scorer in the history of the program. You lose a guy like that. 
and it makes you wonder where you know where does the offense come from, where does the leadership come from, and, and John Wallace filled that void Number without 44. any question. Number 44. So let's kick it over to Connor's Corner Trivia because you've got some trivia focused on that 96 team, I think. I assume well, I know because you told me before we went on the air. So, um, so what do you got for us this <laughs> week? I'm ready for it. No, that team was. I, I love looking back about that team. I love researching the, that team and remembering some of the things that I may not have uh, recalled very easily. It, it just, it's, a, it's a fun team to think about. A fun team to remember. You know, one of the best memories that I'll have as a Syracuse fan was was the Jason Spola hitting that shot against Georgia. In the uh, in regulation to to tie that game and take it to overtime and, and how unlikely and, that and, uh, was. I, I, I that's one of those things that I'll always remember where I was and and who I was with and how I saw how I you know where <laughs> how I felt when I saw that. That's one of the one of the great moments as a Syracuse fan. So yeah, that's good stuff in '96. But yeah, we got some trivia. Um, there were 12 scholarship players on that team. Can you name all 12? Oh boy. Well. I think I can go with easy ones like John Wallace, Otis Hill, Sims, Janulis, Cipolla, Reef Snyder, Todd Bergen, and that's seven. And I got ten. Do you need, need three more? Twelve. I need five more. Oh, wow. Yeah, El, El, you got the easy ones. <laughs> Elvira Olchina. Elvira Olchina, yep. Bobby Laser, right? Bobby Laser is a good call. Transfer out. Um, I some of this guy might be have been a walk on, but uh, Nelson Emil, Emil. What was his first name? Elimu Nelson. Elimu Nelson. That's a great call. He was in scholarship. What's that? He was a scholarship player. He he wasn't at first, yeah. and they awarded him a scholarship for his last two seasons. So maybe now, even just his last season. So I need two more now. Two more. Oh, now this is where it's. Oh, you know what? I got one. David Patrick. <laughs> wow, that's a great call. One of the lesser-known scholarship players in the history of the program. Um, and now is where I'm going to not get this last one. I really don't think I can. If you got it, I would accuse you of having the list in front of you. Yeah, I really can't think of... Uh, I wouldn't know where to start. No, you'll never get it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even have gotten it had I not looked it up. Jim Hayes. Oh, good old Jim Hayes, yep. Yeah. Jim Hayes was a walk-on that earned a scholarship his last two or three seasons. A big guy, seven-footer. He barely ever played. Yeah. He didn't even score a point as a uh, no. as a senior that year. So there's the 12 scholarship players. That was pretty good. I'd take 11 out of 10, or 11 out of 12. There's 12. 12. Can, um, can you tell me who the top seven were in, in, in order of points per game? I think I could. Um, Wallace, number one. Hmm. Now, Janulis was a freshman that year, or was he a sophomore? Janulis was a sophomore that year. Okay, so he might have provided some scoring, but we had Otis Hill. I would say Otis Hill would be second. Yep. Um, so, also a junior, or a sophomore that year was Tad Bergen. Um, did he score enough as a sophomore? Yeah, I'm going to go with Bergen three. Yeah, Bergen three. So, I, before I looked it up, I would have thought Bergen would have been above Otis Hill, but then you think about, you know, Wallace has probably taken a lot of Bergen shots, where yeah. Otis Hill was... So Walsh were, were they weren't identical players, but they they were they were similar slashers, good shooters. So then Sapola must be fourth. Sapola's fourth, yeah. And then fifth will be either Sims or Janulis. I'm gonna say 
I'm going to say Sims because he had so many minutes. He had to score. Yep, you're right. And then Janula, six. Yep. And then Reef Snyder, seven. Correct. So just to, just to run That's it down, Wallace good. was first. He had averaged 22 a game. But wouldn't it be nice if we had a guy averaging 22 a game now, huh? Yeah. 18 a game would be nice. Well, actually, what's Otis up? Hill averaged 12.7 second. Todd Bergen, 12.1. Jason Sabola, 7.7. Sims, 6.3. Yanua, 6.1. And Reese Snyder, 5.5. Continuing down that list, Elder of China averaged 2.7. Bobby Lazer, just over two points a game. Alimu Nelson, one. David Patrick averaged just under one. And Jim Hayes didn't score a point. Bobby Lazer. And you know who else averaged a point per game on that team? Um... No. I didn't list. No idea. Donovan McNabb. Oh, yeah, good good call. Good call. He he was a scholarship player, but just for football. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a good point. McNabb was on that team. Yeah, yeah. So tell me where those guys were from. Oh, boy. John Wallace was from Rochester. What high school? Greece, Athena. Correct. Um, and that might be the end of these these that I get right. Uh, Come on, you know where where Sims was from. Sims was from um, the southern tier of New York. Our Sims. Yeah, and what, where was he from? Syracuse, New York. Oh, he was a local boy, huh? Jeez, that... Henninger High School. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. So that that was an easy one that I blew, so that would that will give me much hope for the rest of these guys. Marius Janulis was from Lithuania. Correct. Well where'd he go to high school? Uh, where'd he graduate high school? Oh, he anyway? went to high school in section five of New York oh. at um Oh jeez. Vestal? No. no. You're thinking of Dave Syok. Yeah, I'm not sure. I really don't know. I can't it's not coming to me. Prattsburg. Which is kind of amazing. That's a D school. Class, yeah. class well, I, D. I think what happened was he was an exchange student. That uh, I don't know how he ended up in Prattsburg, or if he had any aspirations of playing high-level basketball. I mean, Prattsburg is a uh, historically great. Yeah, but Class D, program, which is the same yeah, as like Romulus. Uh, class D. It's the smallest classification in New York State. So what did um, did they have success when he was there, Prattsburg? Did Prattsburg. They... I think they won sectionals. Yeah, I don't know. I would if they hope went so. On to Glens Falls, but I, I I do think that they won sectionals that year. You don't see many kids coming from Class D going to D1 schools. So. Uh, no, but Syracuse had a walk-on from uh, Class D, Section 5. In 96? or a few, No, 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 not 96, but a few years ago. Hmm. Oh, that's a trivia for a different day. Oh, yeah, Christian White is, oh, uh, yeah, that was Aquinas, though, Class A. Aquinas, yeah. Um, yeah, don't, all right, we won't yeah, talk about that. I'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that at a different time. Um, Otis Hill. Reese Reece Snyder. Oh, right now I knew J.B. Reese Snyder. I should know where this one because I, I knew the guy. Like I hung, I was when I was in school, um, from ninety to ninety five, ninety one, ninety five ish, and um, actually hung around with Reese Snyder in Secunda. I've told Reese Snyder stories. I recall you were great fans with J.B. or friends with J.B. Reese Snyder though. Um, he, I don't, I don't want to get into any J.B. Reese Snyder bashing around here, but he was a he was a different guy. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, but where did he go to high school? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't even. Could... Well, he, he he was from right up the road from me. He was from Westchester, Ohio. He went to Lakota High School. Oh, okay. So an Ohio guy. Yeah, I, I knew somebody really well. He went to Lakota High School. Yeah. We played my my sixth graders played in a high school tournament at Lakota last year. Uh, Otis Hill, Otis Hill, where's he from? 
Oak Hill Academy. Incorrect. Hmm. You see, I, I'm usually pretty good with these, and I, I just not on this morning. Oak Otis Hill. Can't can't I? I don't know. You better give me Otis Hill, Brad. Otis Hill is from White Plains. Another. So these guys are all from New York State, pretty much. Uh, not all of them, but a, a good portion of them, yeah. With Pleasantville High School in White Plains, Otis Hill. Cipolla was from New Jersey. Incorrect. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to waste time because I'd just be throwing out random guesses. I can't. Cipolla is from Queens. He went to Christ the King. Oh, wow. Another Christ the King guy. But he 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 didn't come to Syracuse from Christ the King. Do you remember ju- where he came from? Junior college somewhere. Um, not California, was it? Was it no. Out? Yeah. He... From Tallahassee Community College. You would never get it. Yeah, you're right about that. He was a, he, a junior college guy, which is which is funny to think about because I don't recall too many junior college guys that Coach Beheim has ever recruited. Let alone guys that have a significant impact like that. Right, right. Yeah, it's not like our football uh, program where we're Todd getting. Todd Bergen. Todd Bergen, uh, I want to say Louisiana, but that's Dave Johnson. Todd Bergen and Dave right, Johnson, Johnson remind yeah. are similar to me. They, but Todd, yeah, they're similar players. You're right about that. Todd Bergen. <clears throat> nothing's nothing's clicking here with with Bergen either. I know I'll know this they, one uh, as soon as you say it. From the Detroit pipeline. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, from Pershing High School in Detroit. Another uh, another guy from the Dave Bing School. I gotta brush up on these. Uh, College, these high schools for these Syracuse players. I used to have them all down. Yeah, Bobby Laser, California boy, he was. No, no, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> um, Connecticut, section, section four of New York State. Oh, another guy from New York. Wow. Um, yeah, Lake George, Glen. Okay, Norwich, yeah. That, for whatever reason, that rings a bell. I'm just happy I remembered he was on the team. The thing with Bobby Laser, two years two years at Syracuse, coming from Norwich, local guy, never really played much, transferred to Arizona State. In two years out there, he averaged 17 a game. He'd scored 1,000 points for Arizona State. Isn't that he scored something? like 50 for Syracuse. That's crazy. Like, that's just a guy that you sort of look back, man, he could have been a good contributor to this program. But I'm, you know. Damn, didn't like him. <laughs> like it or not, I think he probably ran him off. Yeah, that is, uh, and I do remember him having success after he left. Got to hit a great name. Yeah. Well, yeah, he could have filled the role that Wallace left. Uh, you know, he, they were uh, Wallace was seen to feel more athletic, obviously an NBA guy, but you know, Laser would have stepped into that role and and been a contributor. I think. Sure. Okay. David Pat David Patrick. Here's yeah. something I didn't know about David Patrick. I don't know anything. Well, about what David I did Patrick. remember is where he was from, mm-hmm. which you may or may not know. I do not know. Louisiana. Oh. High school in Baton Rouge. He was the Louisiana high school player of the year. Wow. Was one high school season in Baton Rouge. Prior to that, he was he was raised in Australia, and he was born in Bermuda. It's crazy. Yeah, I had no idea. World traveler with a plain name. Yeah. Like with an Irish name. Well stamped. All right, so uh, so we we covered the team. 
uh, real quick, what's the, what was the seed of that team going into the NCAA tournament? Mm, seven, six? Seven. No. Higher? Better than that. Yeah, higher than that. Oh. Oh. Uh, did they play in the 8-9 game that year, or were they even higher? Were they even like a 10 seed? No, they could have been a 10 seed, could they? No, I mean, they had John Wallace on their team. Yeah. So it's, I mean, they, eight, they like, I'll say eight, eight seed then. Or when you say higher seed, you mean better. A better seed, like a, a yeah, oh. not a higher number. A they higher, were five seed then. Higher slotting in the bracket. Five seed? They were a four. They were a four, wow. Yeah. So, so that's technically that one of the top 16 teams in the country. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, that I mean, that's, shocking? They, they weren't completely out of left field, yeah. but no, not like George you Mason. Too many four seeds to win a national championship or, you know, yeah. even make the finals. Yep. Do you remember their run, who they beat? Ooh, I could go backwards, and I'm going to pass. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll go to the Kentucky beat them. Crap officiating. Took it yep. right out of our hands. Mississippi State in the Final Four, we waxed them pretty good. Yeah. Um, They beat uh, – Georgia wasn't the win to get to the Final Four, was it? No, it was not. That was Sweet yeah, 16. That was Sweet 16. After Georgia, they beat um, – Another SEC team? Could it, was it three SEC teams in a row? Wow, I can't believe I can't. Well, it was three SEC teams, but you just named three. Oh, yeah, so in the Elite... Who did they beat to go to the Final Four? Yeah, how could I not remember that? Elite Eight in 96. A lot of times when I recollect this 96 team, I think of that Georgia game as the Elite Eight game because it was yeah, so no, I, memorable. Yeah, yeah that's, that, naturally that's the one you think of that spurred him to the Final Four, but yeah, it just got him to the... Could it have been uh, Texas? No, that was... Uh, well, yeah, that was Texas in 2003. But that's not... No. In the Final Four. Close. Yeah, close, I guess. Um, Same conference. Uh, like a... Syracuse has a long and complicated history with this team. Could it have been a K-State... Mostly good. Kansas, K-State... Um, Kansas. It was Kansas, huh? Wow. It was one of the great games that this team has won in the postseason. That Kansas team, they had Jacques Vaughn, Ray okay, Scott yeah, Pollard. That yeah. was a fantastic team. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I remember thinking when we played Kentucky, said, was we, on that team, yeah, I, was, I was like, we just beat this Kansas team that had just as many NBA pro, pro, you know, prospects as Kentucky. Right. That was a great win. That was a fantastic win. And Roy Williams was on the bench, right? Yeah, that makes He's sense. He's probably too. bawling his eyes out after that one. Of course he was. Well, that's pretty good trivia, Brad. Is that it? Was that all we got? Or no, we got to go oh, backwards you, you even didn't further. Go back in the run, but for the sake of time, I'll 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 give you that. So in the second round, Syracuse beat Drexel. Yep. Twelve seed beat a four, or a four seed beat a twelve yeah. rather. Uh, Syracuse beat Montana State in the first round. Hmm. And we beat Montana State recently too. Didn't? Or no, that was just Montana. Couple years ago, yeah, yeah. So Syracuse benefited that year. There was, you know, they they were four seed. They played a four thirteen, but then Drexel had a first round upset. So then it was four against twelve. They beat a twelve seed, and mm-hmm. then in the Sweet Sixteen, when you're four seed, you expect to have to play the one. Georgia upset the P- Purdue was the one seed. Might have been that team might have had Glenn Robinson that year. Um, so then Syracuse, yeah, Syracuse then ended up having to play an eight seed Georgia rather than a one seed Purdue, and was able to squeak by them in the game we all remember. And then, mm-hmm. and then the the, the the 
first really good team they played that year was Kansas. And that Michigan, that Mississippi State team wasn't a great team. They had Eric Dampier, but they weren't. Um, I don't think anybody really thought they had a chance to win the national championship. And then right. obviously Kentucky. Right. Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Great trivia. Great team. Um, kick it back to modern times here. Two for the road. Home stretch. We've got. NC State in the Dome, not till next Saturday, a week from yesterday. What the heck is going on? It's February. Why does Syracuse not play a game for seven days? I mean, it's just ridiculous. But anyways, we got NC State. needs a, needs a week-long break, though. It's right now. Yeah, we'll take it. Um, you know, we got to beat. That's the game we got to, got to, got to win. No matter what, we got to win that game. It's a must win. That's a must win. Yeah, unless they win the ACC tournament or beat. I guess you could lose to NC State at home and then win at Carolina and Chapel Hill. Yeah. They probably negate, but that's, yeah. Uh, you, that's that's one that would go in the bad loss column if it happened, NC State at home. And I think we can beat UNC, too. I think we we can. I think this team can beat anybody if they, uh, you know, are, are hot shooting, play good deep. Yeah, unfortunately, they can lose to anybody if they're cold shooting. Yeah, it's the way it goes. And then at Florida State on um, – by then it'll be March fifth. Can you believe that? Yeah, another almost week. Yeah, well, it's just crazy scheduling. Um, maybe it's good though for us to uh, space them out a little bit, get things in order before the postseason. But you know, we need two of these three: NC State at Florida State are the obvious ones. Um, at North Carolina would be a huge bonus. We could lose. As a matter of fact, we could beat North Carolina and lose the other two, and it might be e- equal out as being just as good for our resume. Probably, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think the the quality wins. It, the bigger the quality win, offsets the worst of the bad loss. Yeah, that tends to be, I think, what the committee focuses on more of the good wins, especially road wins. And if you can win in Chapel Hill, I think that cures a lot of ills. Well, winning at uh, Duke is looking better now that Duke's resurgent. Yeah, they lost them. Yeah, they beat they beat North Carolina. But they, I mean, Louisville's a tough place to win. We know that all too well. Right. But and they but they did win. They won at UNC last week in the game of the century. My God, during that yeah. Louisville uh, game, you know what? The first half of that Syracuse Louisville game, there's they didn't have the announcers at Louis courtside at Louisville on for like ten minutes. Absolutely ridiculous. It's just so stupid. And you know what? It's, like it's, the Syracuse Louisville game was the JV game. We all just breathlessly awaiting the varsity game. Yeah, which I really not. I mean, I, the Duke Carolina rivalry really is kind of run its course a little bit it happens twice a year at least twice a year and it's just you know it's not that great it's not that exciting or kind of thing espn just crams down your throat whether you like it or not yeah and i do agree with what somebody said that college rivalries are better than pros um rivalries uh mainly because the um what what did he say i can't remember the reasoning he said I think it was, uh, I can't remember who said it, but um, college rivalries generally are deeper rooted than pro rivalries. Yeah, agreed. It's often the school you grew up with or, yeah. you know, somebody that's really closer to you. You went to school there or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the thing about those rivalries, I mean, I don't know how much the casual fan, everybody sort of, has, if you watch college basketball, you have a team generally. There are very few just people that like the sport. They like a team. Turkey's fans don't necessarily care about Duke Carroll. I might casually watch it, but they've got their own. They've got their own team. You know, Kentucky fans, they, you know, they care about Kentucky. They don't care yeah. about Duke and Carolina. You know, Duke and Carolina fans, they care about it. But even if you're an NC State fan or a Wake fan, I mean, you're sick and tired of Duke and Carolina. You don't want to. You want them both to lose, right? 
<laughs> that's the bit worst part about it when they play each other. Somebody has to win. Well, well, we're kind of up against it here um, this morning. Got the last for two for the road here. And I don't know if you – did you watch Bayheim's interview with Seth Davis on College Insiders? I did not, no. Um, check it out. It's amazing. It's one of the best Bayheim interviews I've ever seen. They go about an hour, and he talks about everything from Lions, um, you know, basketball to the, you know, playing high school basketball at Lions and growing up in Lions to, uh, you know, NC uh, – the NCAA investigation, and he even in this thing kind of leaves it open that he might not retire in three years. What's surprising? Yeah, he said he goes, you know, a lot can happen in in three years. He said so. So I'm just, I just shoot, putting that out there as a recommendation. You know, maybe Brad, you watch it this week. We can touch on it next week. But uh, yep. as for this week's show, I got to uh, we got to cut it a little short this week because kind of up against it we have another show coming up here in about uh, 10 minutes in studio so um you know brad another great uh hour or so talking syracuse hoops uh coming off of two losses is never as much fun as is coming off a couple of wins but um you know we'll, we'll catch our breath this week we'll come back with the nc state game and and then we'll be back here next sunday to talk about it yeah we got one week uh and it's handful of days until it's march and that's the best time of the year we're all excited for it and uh certainly there'll be a, a lot to uh, talk about through the acc tournament in selection sunday so um you know hang in there brad have a good week uh, enjoy that nc state game next uh, week and and we'll see you back here in seven days yes sir and thanks to everyone for joining us here on the Upstate Orange Podcast. Uh, we'll be back again next Sunday with another edition. You can subscribe to our feed on iTunes, Stitcher.com, on YouTube, or via RSS. We're online at www.fingerlakes1.tv slash upstateorange. And so, for the professor, Brad Connor, I'm Jim Sinecropi. Have a great week. Beat NC State, and let's go orange. <laughs>